You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Thank you for joining us here on The Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle. If you're new and would like to know more about my bio and beliefs, make sure you check out chris-spangle.com. All my projects are there. And this is one of them. This is a segmented edition of Now Hear This, which is a radio show that I host on the weekends in Indianapolis. And it is dedicated towards nonprofits. And one of the most important functions of a free society are private institutions and organizations that dedicate time, energy, and money towards uh, people that need help. And one of the reasons that I wanted to give you this show, even though some of it is dedicated towards Indianapolis where I live, uh, it is almost all of it is relevant. And I guarantee there are organizations like it in your city that are doing some of the same functions. But what I try to do with now here, this is to give you an idea of the problem that a nonprofit is solving so you understand the work that a free society takes. And so uh, I appreciate you listening. And, you know, even if you're out of town and you find that this organization speaks to your heart, maybe find one in your local area or help out uh, the charity here in Indianapolis. This show is brought to you by Wall Plus members. You're the reason, Wall Plus members, that uh, this network is going strong, is growing every single day and offering a different vision for the world than most other podcasts and and, uh, political ideologies, really. So if you want to support the Wall Network, then you can go to joinwallplus.com, W-A-L-plus.com. Stands for We Are Libertarians. Uh, and learn all the great benefits of subscribing, like ad-free shows, early release for episodes, the full archives. There's 1,067 episodes in the feed that you're missing if you're on the main free feed. And we just want to thank all of our Wall Plus members. So without further delay, here is my conversation with a nonprofit that is working hard to work directly with people that are in need of help. Today, we're tackling a subject that is uh, very important to me, and I know to uh, our next guest, it is Laura Berry, who is the executive director of the Indiana Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And this has been a trying time, I can imagine, for many people who are in abusive relationships and in real danger. Thank you for joining me, Laura. What, what, is, what is happening in the middle of this pandemic for those who are suffering uh, from domestic violence? Thanks for having me and letting me be part of this to talk about the issues of domestic violence during this pandemic. Yeah, during this time, we're seeing increases in domestic violence and increases, unfortunately, in our homicide rate, which really are very concerning to us who are working in this field. So, you know, we've seen about a 90% increase in domestic homicides for a period of March through October compared to this same period of time last year. And that really can be contributed, directly contributed to COVID. And that's a result of people being isolated at home, a downturn in the economy and loss of their income, increase in stressors, increase in alcohol consumption. While alcohol doesn't cause domestic violence, the increased usage um, has a tendency 
to make domestic violence increase in frequency and severity. And those stressors have a tendency to increase our lethality. So we know all of those contributing factors are what are leading to the increase in the risk and the lethality of our domestic violence, for domestic violence. Also with isolation for those who are staying at home, there is a sense and a feeling that individuals can't reach out or don't feel comfortable reaching out for support and services even though our programs and our services are open and available, it's often not um, safe for them to call for supportive services or to shelter. So knowing that we're open is critically important and that if they are in extreme danger, that 911 is a critical and important call to make. We're speaking to Laura Berry, head, uh, the executive director of the Indiana Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and their website is icadvinc.org. That's an important point, and we, uh, we t- covered this early in the pandemic, um, but I'd like to revisit it because if someone is listening uh, this afternoon and they're concerned about a loved one or they're concerned about themselves – how, how do you intercede or how can they get help in a way that is safe? Because oftentimes phones are monitored, computers are monitored. What tips do you have to maybe a person who's hearing this uh, or, or has a friend that needs to get out? How do they go about that in a safe way? Right. So it's incredibly difficult since we're not seeing our neighbors, our friends. We're not going to work as often as we used to. We're working from home more often. We're doing Zoom calls, Right. Um, So we might still be seeing people in different ways than we have before. So trying to connect in unique and different ways to ask somebody if they need help or if things or how things are going in their home um, is still a way to ask an individual if they need help or support or how things are are going. So you can ask somebody in a non-confrontational way if, things are stable in their household, if they need support, just to do check-ins that seem non-threatening with an individual. So um, just ask about everyday things and if how the stressors are going, if they need anything, knowing if they need support that you're there for them. And also still encouraging, we are finding that if somebody is in a serious situation, that they are making calls to 911 when they are in need of services. We have seen a significant uptick in calls to 911. So we are recognizing that one, levels of violence are increasing. They are able and they are making those calls for services. So if you're a friend or if you're a loved one, still trying to connect in ways through phone calls, through text and asking non-leading questions that might indicate that you're checking in on their safety, but just generally, hey, how are things going at home? What are you doing? What are you and the kids doing? Um, asking if you're getting out um, in a non-threatening way that might be an indication if violence is, is occurring in the home. So what do you do if you know someone's in a dangerous situation and they're just not willing to leave or confront the situation or they're, they're just not ready? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. How do you handle that? Absolutely. And that's very common. So the first thing that we always say is those who are in a violent situation, survivors, they're the best predictor of their own safety. So we may want to determine for that individual that it's time for them to leave. We're not able to make that decision for them because they are the best person to determine 
when it is for them to leave. All we can do is say that there are services available for them, that they don't deserve to be in a violent situation. If there's children in the household, it's better for them. And what we can say is it's better for your children to live in a, uh, an environment that's free from violence and intimidation and that there are ways to be able to get out of that situation and that it's not their fault and that it's a continued conversation to support that individual to make that choice for themselves. What we have to recognize, because it's easier for those of us who are not in a violent situation to understand or need to understand that there are so many barriers for an individual who's in a violent relationship to leave because many of those are financial in nature. And that could be they're facing barriers of potentially being homeless and or having to live in a shelter with their children who are then uprooted and away from their friends and other support systems on a daily basis. And that is not too appealing. No, that that can be very hard. And and finances seem in situations that I've run across over my life, that seems to be the main motivator. I'm not sure how to, to get out of this. Do you have programs to help kind of fight that? Can you walk us through the programs at the Indiana Coalition Against Domestic Violence? Absolutely. And thanks for asking. One of the things, you know, survivors have said to us, we embarked on a really a three-year study to talk to survivors about what's kind of the number one things that keeps them in a violent relationship. And financial instability is really the number one thing that keeps them in a relationship even longer than they normally would. So programs that the coalition offers is um, housing stability. So we have launched a housing project where survivors can enter into what's a coordinated entry system and access safe and affordable and stable housing. So this is a really big key to helping survivors be able to exit a violent home and live independently. And then other financial flexible resources, studies and resources and um, research has shown to us that oftentimes a survivor may only need anywhere from $400 to $1,000 to be able to make that transition from a violent home to self-sufficiency and stability along with uh, affordable housing. So the coalition has um, created 165 housing units throughout the state of Indiana and partnered with member programs to offer that capability. The other critical service that often survivors need is access to affordable or free legal services. So the coalition offers legal services um, free of charge to survivors who need to take that next step. That's one of the services. We also partner with and help provide direct access to emergency shelter, transportation, flex funding, to survivors. We do prevention programming, education, training, awareness, and um, a whole variety that helps survivors uh, be able to leave and safely leave and stay away from that violent relationship. Yeah, one of the, the, I see a lot of confusion. I mean, it's really hard, especially for, you know, it's usually women, but there are men that Mm -hmm. suffer domestic violence, are there not? Absolutely. So about um, last year, we see it's, it's about under 1% of the population that we serve that are men, but we see men and men with children who are accessing services um, in the state of Indiana. So it's not just women, predominantly it's women that we serve, um, but both men and women are um, impacted by intimate personal violence. The thing that I have noticed is that when you're in a relationship like that, you're 
gaslit so much that you're so confused mm-hmm. and you, you just need a lifeline. So you, it sounds like you offer that lifeline just to help guide people where they need to go. And how do people contact you and get in touch with, with the Indiana Coalition Against Domestic Violence? Um, so you gave our website, icadvinc.org or 317-917-3685. Uh, is a good way to get a hold of us um, during this time. And then also here in central Indiana, 211 is a great resource because that will link you to all of the service providers in central Indiana. So if I were to ask you uh, like a, a shining example of your work, somebody that seemed to be in a hopeless position that is thriving now, what are a, a scenario or two that you could share with us? So a great one actually happens to be, um, there is an article on the front page of the Indiana Lawyer today of a, of a case. Um, normally, we wouldn't share a survivor's name because that's confidential. But there is a woman that we, since it's in the paper, we can talk about it, that is an individual that um, sought services from us about three years ago, who was virtually homeless, her and her son that was involved in a domestic violence situation by her husband, and it was in the criminal justice system and was just not getting the response that she needed. And it also had a very complex legal situation to it where the husband had taken out a business in her name and had, unbeknownst to her, put her in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. And nobody had responded to her requests for services. She wasn't getting the response she needed from the criminal justice system. And she was definitely not getting any support, legal support that she needed in solving what was mounting to her having, I can't even tell you the amount of legal uh, debt and obligation that she had. And she reached out to us uh, for just really some guidance. And we were able to provide her legal counsel and work with the criminal justice system to get her a positive solution. So um, three years later, we were able to wipe out the um, business liability and debt um, divorce and a positive outcome in a criminal case, thanks to major partners with Ice Miller, Barnes and Thornburg, and an attorney we um, were able to provide her with um, kind of low means and um, fees that we're able to support. So three years for a survivor that would not have had access that would have her and her son would have been homeless otherwise and or potentially remaining in a violent situation. That's excellent. That's great. Um, final question. What do you see every day in your work that you wish everybody could see and understand? Every day. Um, I would say resilience. I see resilience in the individuals that we work with, um, that they are capable. There is this there is this, I think, misunderstanding that survivors of domestic violence are downtrodden, that they're in this situation because they've chosen this situation, that they um, are not like you and I, and that we would not, we would not allow ourselves to be in this situation. 
and they are no different than any of the rest of us. And that you brought up that they get gaslighted. No individual in their right mind would ever have found themselves in a domestic violence situation if the incident started with physical violence. If we all entered into a relationship that started out with an initial hit, we would have all left that relationship immediately. But it starts off with manipulation, control, um, emotional and psychological abuse that ends up um, wearing down an individual. And so what I would say is these are some of the most incredible, strong individuals that have navigated circumstances in their life that keep themselves and their children safe on a daily basis that I just can't imagine how they oftentimes keep going. And I'm in awe and often incredibly inspired by how they um, navigate and continue to become survivors on a daily basis. The things that I find challenging, on the other hand, is this homicide rate that we're now enduring and knowing that we as a community and a society need to hold each other accountable and make that number different. And I think we can do that and change that norm because we don't find domestic violence homicides inevitable. We think it's all preventable. Laura Berry, Executive Director of the Indiana Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Their website is icadvinc.org. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate your time. Thanks, Chris. It was great. Thanks for listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, you can listen on our website, nowhearthisindy.com. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please email Gabby at nowhearthisindy at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for listening, and we will be back again next weekend with Now Hear This.